Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome into the latest Gators Online podcast. Zach Albaverde joins my left by Nick Del Torre, and also our special guest for this week, former Florida offensive lineman Shannon Snell. And we're going to talk football and food. I mean, two of our favorite things, right? Um, more food than football. Yeah. Yeah. And they go hand in hand. So yeah. We're going to each one, right? Yeah, we'll talk about, obviously, what he's been up to with the football team. We'll get into some recruiting talk as well and uh, also get the latest on Nick's keeping up with his baseball team and all the roster movements there. So, um, But let's jump into uh, Shannon. Appreciate you joining us, man. I appreciate you guys having me, man. I always have fun. You guys know a lot about everything. <laughs> Trying to get a hold of you two is always tough, so I'm happy to be here with y'all, man. No, absolutely, man. We, uh, We've been seeing some of the things that have been happening with the football team, obviously on the food front, mm-hmm. um, kind of really uh, from the get-go. Uh, before we talk about your initiatives kind of lately with the players, um, take us through your introduction to this new staff, um, your early impressions of them, and then... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline maybe how quickly they realized that they needed some relationship ribs in their program. You know, it's, it's funny because I, I, it's always this unsurety about when a new staff comes in, whether, they, what are they going to be, um, how they're going to accept you to the program, especially a lot of former players, because I don't think 
know, a lot of them can't speak intelligently about the program because they've never been here, right? Yeah. They want to bring former guys back around. So when I first met uh, Coach Napier, it was I was just passing by the stadium and I, we were feeding him. And he came down and he already knew my name, which was the coolest thing. I, I don't know. You know, we're talking about a guy that's very cerebral, that does his homework, that does a lot. Um, he, he thinks before he makes any single action and getting to know former people, the people that have been around the program, yeah. people that have a vested interest in the, seeing the Florida Gators be great. I think that's awesome. Um, I think that was one of his first initiatives and hiring all these great coaches, yeah. right? He doesn't want to be a guy, in my opinion, uh, that does everything, right? We've seen that in the past where we have a guy that has his hand in everything and it just didn't go well. But for him, he's hired so many great minds, whether it be, you know, former college coaches, NFL, t- NFL coaches, NFL yeah. talent guys, um, guys that really can push the, the push the issue, push the program. I think that was great. And for all intents and purposes, I am excited about the future for him because I think this is the first time that we've had a coach that's been able to uh, think of this like chess and not like checkers, right? Mm. That's thinking about the the end game, the the move three years from now. What does the Florida Gator program look like? And I think for all the moves that he's made, um, for everybody he's hired, for everything he's said, everything he's done, um, he's done what he said, and it's been an encouraging thing. And just being around the program as I have been, it's it's really fun to see how this uh, the next couple of years is going to play out. Now, obviously, we some of the early things that we heard were about the parking and about the food. Sure. Um, what was your reaction as a former player to the parking situation being resolved? Je- jealousy, I guess. <laughs> but, I, mean, I can't tell you how many tickets I got on campus because we had to park in different spots and just. And listen, I don't think there should be any uh, favoritism, as you know, where sure. athletes park. I mean, everybody has those same issues, but you know, when you legitimately have to walk a couple of miles just to get to the stadium to play or to practice and be tired and then walk home. Yeah, or study. I think there, yeah, or study. I think there should be some special privileges. So when he addressed that, the first and foremost, you could tell he was listening to his guys. He mm-hmm. brought his guys in the room and say, hey, what's your big, biggest issues? The biggest issues was the parking and the food. It's like, hey, we're not getting fed correctly, which I can honestly say, yeah, they're right. And the parking was always a problem. Yeah, He addressed and he had to get those guys out by him because I said at the end of the day, is that he's not winning football games without those players. And he has to get some sort of buy-in. And that buy-in is like, hey, are you listening to us? And I think I think that's been a thing in the past where these players were just kind of like, we don't ha- have our voices heard. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he does, his first action coming into the building was changing the two things that they gripe about the most. I think that creates a level of trust, which mm-hmm. he really need their level of honesty. And that gets these guys really to buy into the vision that he's trying to he's trying to put forth at the University of Florida. That's the first loss uh, UF Taps has ever taken. Yes, ever. They've never lost. And then Billy comes in and is like, "Hey, by the way, you're not giving these tickets anymore." Nope. And they were like, "Wait, that what? that was I." You know what? It was jealousy, but I was so proud that he did that because of the fact of any football player or athlete that has gone through the University of Florida. Has yeah. dealt with these parking issues. I like can we wallpaper a, a room in my house with yellow envelopes. Yeah, Listen, I mean, I, as reporters, we get stuck with oh, it too. Yeah, guys, we campus. had guys that knew how to take boots off of cars because they were they had gotten so many. So <laughs> allegedly, yeah, I, don't know, I mean, allegedly. yeah, maybe I don't yeah, know. So possibly, um, you know, you mentioned the food as well. Um, yeah. I, I guess from your standpoint, especially mm-hmm. being a guy in, in your industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what was that like to see that change come about and to see a coach and an, and, a, and an administration that kind of understood the importance of kind of making that investment? I think it's great. You think about, I mean, food is is a big part of what they do, what you fuel your body with, what, 
you know, what you put down because ultimately that's going to affect your performance, whether it be in the weight room or yeah. those Saturdays. Um, so, you know, these guys, I mean, for all the money that comes into the University of Florida, for all the things that these guys do for the for this program, the last thing they need to worry about is, hey, having good food to eat. Yeah. You have to fuel your body with great food so you can put out great performances. And I think, you know, um, Kelsey Gomes, who's the, diet, the dietitian, she is. The players is, tweet about her. Hey, like, let, me, yeah. let me tell you something. She's on point from everything she's done. She comes up with new ideas. She comes up with – she makes sure these guys are eating well on the weekends, during the week, making sure – they even have like a um, a goal, a goal chart that each yeah. one of them compete against each other and make sure that they're getting the right nutrition. Yeah. I've never seen that before. The nutrition right? athlete of the week. Yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> and, and, and let me tell you something. Every person that competes at this kind of level, they're always wanting to win. It's never about, hey, I'm just trying to you know compete or I'm just trying to get a second-place trophy. You want to win. So each one of these guys are trying to beat each other, trying to say, hey, yeah. did I get all my greens in this week? Did I get all my macros or all my protein? Yeah. These guys are competing, and I think they created a really healthy um, – a really healthy environment of competition, making sure that they're eating right and they're seeing these these incredible games that they're doing in the weight room and now on the football field. And for them to get a team meal Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. um, what, what was what was it like when you were a player? Is that is that how much different is it? Because yeah, it, I mean, it's, it, it's like not less than a decade that the NCAA even allowed like more stuff. Like, right. hey, you can get an extra sandwich, an extra right. peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> right. Um, and back it, when you were there, like you couldn't get. Fruit snacks. No, you think about it. I mean, there was so there's one thing we talk about the NIL and that all that stuff. And there's a there's this level of stuff that you need as an athlete to survive, right? Mm-hmm. And food is obviously the highest level. And it was so regulated that it was just like, you know, generally we couldn't have too many meals brought in from outside vendors. Wow. So I work for Sunny's Barbecue, right? And um, generally they have an in-house vendor who they airmark on campus that they bring in all the stuff they do special stuff for, they go to their personal needs. When back in the day, our, our only needs were we got to go to Gator Dining or mm-hmm. Gator Corner or whatever yeah. that is. And we got so much on our, our Gator One ID. That was a problem because that was gone pretty quickly. Not to mention Gator Dining was they, they catered to all the regular students as well. Yeah, they weren't. It wasn't specialized. Right. For the I mean, you, you know, there's different needs and there's different um, things for each individual player. Not to mention, like, it's way different from the average student. The yes. Five foot ten, 160 pound engineering yeah. student might eat differently. Then the six foot seven. Right. Now, like, like if you have fried steak in there or fried chicken in there, the average athlete shouldn't be eating that all mm-hmm. the time, just like a regular student, because when they go to practice, it's not going to be a great day for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I think that over time, they've done a really great job of trying to say, hey, look, we need to make sure that these athletes are properly fed. Um, I, even the new the new football house or the new athlete house that they're, that they're building on campus is going to have so many state of the arts mm-hmm. things in there. And I think that's great because. Honestly, if you want to perform at the highest level, like the Ohio States and like the Clemsons and all this other stuff, you have to feed them right. And you have to make sure that they have ample enough nutrition to to get them right on the field. Now, they they took it a next step this Mm offseason. It's it's not just enough to feed these guys every day. Um, Now they want them to start cooking their own meats. And um, you were kind of part of an initiative with Kelsey to to kind of um, give these guys something to do on the weekends. Mm -hmm. Talk about how that came about and – I, I'm sure your excitement to be able to teach these guys this valuable life lesson. Yeah, well, Kelsey called me and she was like, you know, they're always doing something innovative, right? Which one thing, whether it be inside, you know, operations of football, whether it be whatever, whether it be in the nutrition department, they're doing something innovative. So the innovative thing that she decided, she's like, hey, I need to teach these guys life lessons. Like we've seen on, you know, Twitter and on social media, how they're buying these guys suits from men's warehouse, right? Yeah. That's super important because those suits that they're going to use, whether they decide to go on with football or not, 
they're going to use those suits, yeah. whether it be on their job interview or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. They're going to remember that stuff, right? They're teaching these guys life lessons. And one of the biggest life lessons that I struggled with when I got out of college was I didn't know how to cook anything. I, did, I knew how to cook zero. Kind of weird now that I cook yeah. everything every, all the time, right? It kind of kind of comes back around. But she contacted me and said, look, I want to on the weekends, we don't really have these guys. We're not doing a whole lot with them. We feed them Monday through Friday. But we want to make sure that they're eating well on the weekends. And one of the biggest complaints that they had was, you know, we don't know how to make like chicken good. We don't know. Like we know we can go to the store and grab a steak, but I want it like, you know, like we're Season, sitting at Spurs, yeah. right? I, I want it like that, right? I don't want to have to go out and blow 50, 60, 70 bucks, especially with food prices going up, mm-hmm. right? So what can we get? that we can cook on a grill or we can cook in our oven or something that can we, we can make great. So that's when Kelsey interjected herself. She called me and said, hey, look, can you teach us, teach these guys about seasoning? Can you teach them about how to cook? So she set up a series of classes like three weeks in a row, right? Let's go. So we were out there two weeks ago. We were out there last week. We were out there and we're going to be doing something with them this week about how just cooking simple products and making them good, how to season your own meats, mm-hmm. cooking temperatures, this has been like it's it's honestly been like one of the most rewarding things I've done with the Gators because they were all in. I thought it was gonna be the first time I went out there, I was like, okay, there's gonna be one or two guys that want to deal with raw meat and want to touch it. You know, Cyrus Torrance, like let me I, I got to actually know him a little bit. And him and his grandmother used to like grill back at home in Mississippi. And he knew what he was doing on the grill, which was like <laughs> totally dope. I was like, man, you like become my new favorite person. Yeah. But a lot of these guys were just wanted the knowledge and all of them were so excited. Some of them made some really good stuff, like some of the stuff I would probably make in a restaurant. And, you know, wow. shout out to Kelsey for doing this kind of stuff, because let me tell you, it's a life skill that these guys are going to remember. No, they know they have to tip chicken to 165 degrees. Yeah. It's stuck in their head so that when they leave college, if they have to go get their own apartment or whatever and say, hey, what am I going to eat tonight? I want some chicken. It's something that they learn. It's a life skill that they're going to yeah. use for the rest of their life. And that's. That's the dopest thing that 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 Kelsey and the and that program could have done for them. They're not gonna have to get Salmonella to learn how how, how exactly how right chicken because when you get that one time, it's, you're not eating chicken anymore for a long long time after that. Right. And then you said that you felt like this was um, maybe the favorite thing that you've done with this team yeah. since, since you've been a former player. Um, how how has this interaction been different versus like when you've come around and you've supplied the food or you've just been there at events? Now you're actually teaching these guys and getting to interact with them that yeah, way. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, we've gotten to, as the players have came and gone and the new ones have came in, we've gotten to know each other over time because we do a lot with the University of Florida. But this has become a little bit more interpersonal. This has become a little bit more understanding who the person is instead of just the athlete, yeah. right? And I think this is so cool because even for some of my team, the people that come with me that do these events is that they realize that these are real guys. These are, they're youngsters, but they're learning. They want to learn these life skills. They want to learn these life lessons. And it gives me the chance to talk to him on a more personal level about, hey, what are your likes other than football or, yeah. or blocking a guy in a zone gap or, or taking the ball out there on a pick six, right? That's the stuff that we see on Saturdays that they probably generally don't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're over a grill, when you're doing something fun, when you're cooking, when you're just kind of chilling, it gives you the opportunity to kind of just kind of pour into them a little bit. And they ask you about like your previous experiences. Like they all kind of maybe figured I played football, but some of them didn't know I played at Florida. Yeah. You know, it's great because then we could chop it up. We could talk a little bit and that's fun, man. That's the times that we talk about that we can kind of sit over and break bread, breaking bread over a barbecue. That's like the ultimate setting for it. And it's really fun to do that. It's really fun to get to know a lot of them, especially with this transition with the coaching staff. Yeah. Right. A lot of them are still unsure because I mean, until you actually go through a full season of football, you don't really know what you're getting. Yeah. Or you go through spring. Spring is different, right? Yeah. But, you know, like I said, these guys, these coaches are teaching them how to be pros right now, which is great because when pro day comes, 
it already comes, it already comes secondary, right? Yeah. The nutrition staff, they're teaching them how to fuel their bodies because when they walk away from Florida and she's not there, you already know. You're gonna be by yourself if you're sitting in your hotel room or or in your house alone. You already know this stuff. So this, I'm I'm really sold on what the staff and how they're building men. That's that's the most important. Who part. are some of the best? You mentioned Osiris. Who are yeah. some other best cooks? Uh, you know, funny that Naquan Wright is like he's so he cut out beef out of his diet, right? He's more <laughs> of a chicken and fish guy. Okay. And he and I kind of he, he was the one I kind of like we stood together for about 30 minutes going over how to cook salmon and chicken wings and and stuff. Right. What it means glazes and marinade. Let me tell you something. If you're looking for somebody that's going to blow it up this season, I mean, he is one guy that's really taking care of his body. In the weight room, I heard he's doing really well. He is one guy that's really um, taking the adapting to the um, that that Gator standard that we really look forward to. Sure, he is he is adapting to that. He's really making himself into a his body into like a physical specimen, and he's really got the mindset of him. This is his year. This is his, this is his year that he's going to blow it up. Yeah. His maturity has always been off the it's, charts. It's man. unreal. I am I'm really firm, I'm impressed with him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him overpass what, what Damian Pierce did last year. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Wow. Yeah. Now, we, we do got to talk some football before we let you go. Um, I want to get your impression of the new offensive line coaches sure. and more specifically the fact that Florida is the only team in the country that has two offensive line coaches sure. and how sure. unique that is. Well, you talk Rob Sale. I mean, I'm, I'm sold on him. I was a fan of him. He did wonders with the New York Giants, right? Yeah. Their offensive line. I mean, it was the only good part of their team. <laughs> no, no shot to them, but it was the only good part of their team. He's got that NFL pedigree. Anybody that's ever talked about him, that's worked with him, uh, will tell you, like, he is a very smart guy. Um, he gets the most out of his players. Um, I'm just, I, you know, when I met him, I was automatically sold. And even if you ask some of the offensive line, the current offensive linemen, you know, it takes him a little bit to get used to an offensive line coach. He's not the guy that's going to yell in your face or that's going to, you know, spit flying everywhere. Yeah. He's going to be very... We saw him up in practice. He was pretty animated. He was. He was. But he's not... The, he's very consummate. He's very kind of... He'll pull it back. He, he'll he get loud when he needs to. And when he needs to pull it back, he will. And yeah. I, I like that. A coach that's kind of versatile on that. Because mm. not everybody can be coached the same way. Mm, it's sure. just not what it's going to be, right? And you got Darnell Stapleton, who I'm um, like, seriously... Like, he played with Max Starks, who obviously we played together at Florida. Yeah. They played together in Pittsburgh. So he's got a wealth of talent. You saw what he did at, at UofL uh, when he was out there. And he took some really um, decent players and made them great. Mm. I mean, they really, really like him. And and we're talking about a wealth of NFL guys, right? Yeah. You know, they brought, brought Cheston Blackshear back as a, as, right. a, as a – Cheston was the GA when I was here, so I'm firmly – I firmly believe in him. So yeah. you, you got three guys in that room that have a lot of experience, whether it be at the, you know, at the Power 5 experience. You got guys at the NFL experience. Like you talk about what Napier did, I'm just I'm super excited because the offensive line is where it's going to start. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have a great offensive line, we've seen this over the course of the last five, six, seven years. Is that if you don't have a great offensive line, you are not in the game, especially yeah. in the SEC, right? SEC, everybody has playmakers, but the speed of the line, the speed on the edges. If you can't block those guys, and you're out of the game. So yeah. I think they got the guys. I think they got the guys to coach them up. It's just what they do with them at this point. What are your expectations for this team this year and, and as they try to kind of, you know, get used to this new staff and obviously kind of work out the kinks from what was obviously a, a struggling season last year? So I think of this two ways, right? I think the worst thing that could have happened to us back in 2018 was Dan Mullen going 10-3, and three, right? That is a really good record out the gate, yeah. right? He had, you know, pieces. We didn't know what he was. We didn't know what he was going to be, but he kind of over – 
Achieve. Yeah, he he overstrided there, right? He he. I thought he was going to be an eight and seven something, or eight and six, or eight and five, or whatever it is. Especially when he lost to Kentucky. Yeah, you know, you think about that. Yeah, like, that this that thing season. though was crazy because we at, at the time, it, like every coach gets asked, "Hey, right. uh, the streak, the streak," and he said on Monday, he was like, "Well, at some point it's going to end." And yeah. we're all like, huh, "No, it's not." Yeah. And then you lose that first one. You're like, "Oh, he, he was right. It did end." <laughs> right. Yeah. At, at that point, but uh, he ran off a bunch of them at the end of the season with a. With a guy at quarterback who probably was, you know, probably should have been. Even want to see yeah, him. they didn't want to see him, right? So, regardless, that was the worst thing that could have happened to us because now the expectation when year one comes for a new coach, a and guy that's really, me. yeah, he and had that, success for you. exactly, what a championship game, exactly. So you're thinking about this, and every Gator fan is thinking about, well, what about the previous coaches? I think we're in a better position because we're now preparing ourselves for the future. Mm-hmm. I don't think we left ourselves in great position. With player-wise, I think we're great in the first teams. But yeah. the second team, we need some depth. We need some guys that are, that are going to step up. Um, so I think my expectation is I'm I'm just wanting to see development. I want to see yeah. these guys playing well. I want to see us in games. I don't want to be blown out. I don't want to be blown out by the University of Georgia. That's not <laughs> fun to see, right? That's not fun to hear from my friends. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just I want to see progression. Yeah, I want to see a bowl game. A bowl game should be in the future. A, yeah. a bowl game should be the bare bottom minimum for the University of Florida. But I'm not expecting to win a championship in year one. Yeah. If that's the expectation, I don't – what, Larry Coker was a guy that did it, right? He yeah, did it, He yeah. did it his thing, and, you know, did Ryan Day do it? Yeah. Okay, so – but they were loaded, right? They yeah. had, they, they were very easy. They a great situation. Exactly my point. We were not – we're not in that situation right now. And that's – it would be fair to say we got to give this – we got to give – um, give them a couple of years, two, three years, to see what we really got. Give them a yeah. couple recruiting cycles. Let them get his guys in here. So – I'm expecting a bowl game this year. I'm expecting them to compete and have a bowl game and just get better every game. Sure. Win the games that you're supposed to win. Be be um, you know be competitive in the games that you're going to be in with the LSU's and the Georgias and you know at the end of the day let's see where let's see what it plays out to be. Do you think so? I, I was always like you need to get uh, a new coach four years like so they can get a full sure. four year cycle. Mm-hmm. Do you think the transfer portal changes that now? The transfer portal changes that, and so does the recent success of uh, like a Kirby Smart uh-huh. and some of those guys. Like if you're in the, like he's winning year one, year two, mm-hmm. year three, he's having better and better records. And finally, Georgia, he's kicked Georgia out of the 1980s, so he's got his championship. Yeah. I think when that stuff happens, and they're in the same co- actually in the same division in their conference, you're compared to those kind of guys. It's like hey, whether, you're whether t- it's fair or not. Yeah, it's just like in the NIL has changed the entire game. Mm-hmm. We all know that it's a game that you know Kirby Smart didn't have to deal with when he was first coming in, or you know the Ryan Days, or you know anybody that's had that kind of success. Because now, you know, you got Jackson State pulling in some of these top recruits, some of these yeah. guys that probably should have gone to an Alabama or you or know, the state. yeah, exactly. Like, that kind of stuff is happening. So at the end of the day, let's 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 wait a little bit. Let's see how the landscape plays out. Let's see what he does in the recruiting field, because that's going to be a big portion and what he does in the portal. Um, Cause that's going to be a big portion of what happens, uh, what his legacy is going to bring over the next couple of years. Um, I'm going to reserve judgment. I'm just, I know I'm a fan. I know I'm kind of a supporter, so I want to see him do well. And I think we got the right guy in charge. So I think that's where it kind of lays right now. And then final question for you, Shannon. And I know you, you've been outspoken about this a lot on, on Twitter, just mm-hmm. when you feel like I need to address the fans or maybe Speak to the pulse of the fan base. Sure. I asked Demetri Jackson, former Gator, yesterday at the 7-on-7 seven seven camp about Napier, and he's he said, you know, I don't think it's so much about him as it is the Gator faithful. Yeah. And, you know, these guys and these fans giving him time to build this thing. And, and I know time is not maybe the, the word that people want to say, but you've seen so many regimes that have come through here have had mm-hmm. success, and then it just 
you know, does it doesn't work out? What do you feel like has been the common denominator there? Um, what is it going to take for this program to kind of find that consistency and stability that it's really lacked since the Spurrier era? You know, it's, it, it's probably since the Meyer era, right? Yeah. It's been, it's been those unrealistic expectations. Like, you got to understand that I, back in the day, the, the national championship game, or then the BCS then, it always passed through the state of Florida, right? Whether it was Miami, yeah. whether it was Florida, whether it was Florida State. Times have changed a little bit, right? The, 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 the paradigm has shifted to the Georgias, to the Ohio States, yeah, to Alabama's. other Alabamas. It's shifted, right? At this point in time, I understand everybody wants to be great because we're, we want to remember what Steve Spurrier did. We want to remember what Urban Meyer did. And there was flashes in the pans of, you know, Jim McElwain taking us to SEC East yes. or SEC title games. Or, twice. Twice, right? Or, or with, even with what Mullen did taking us to one a couple years ago. They got to to build a program. You got to have consistency, right? Consistency involves having some of the same pieces in place for a longer period of time. Mm. There were some things that went haywire last year, and everybody's always saying, "Hey, I just want to. I live for the moment. Living for the moment is like only remember the here and now." For us Gator fans, and I'm including myself, is we can't live for the moment. We have to realize that this is a chess game. This is a chess. We have to start looking for the next couple of years because, let's say, you know, Napier has a bad year, and they're like, "Oh, we need to get rid of him." We're going to put ourselves in the same position that we were a couple years ago after Mullins, you know, after his season that he went, you know, to the SEC title game. The year after, he's gone. Yeah. Right? We can't put ourselves in a position of, hey, every year if we're not successful, then we need to kick the coach out and find somebody else. Yeah. Because think about the coaching landscape. Who's going to want to take a job where the fan base or the boosters or anybody else that supports the program is saying, hey – if you want a bad year. Yeah, think about your family. Think about the people that are going to follow you or the coaches or stuff. I don't want to join your staff because I only got a one-year shelf life at Florida if I don't win. Yeah. That's well, not. I've that's seen, not. I've funny. seen a lot of buyout money, so I'm, I might. Me personally, I might be like, "Yeah, I'll go to Florida. That'd be terrible." Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they'll pay me a bunch of money to stop. But you know, you know, just as much as I do, at some point, that buyout money is going to be like, "Okay, well, yeah. let's just start dropping that that number down." Because I know just as much, and I'm not saying Strickland would do this, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying I know at some point that there's a shelf life on these Florida coaches because there's just like our fan base or our supporters are just very passionate. I'm not yeah. going to say they're ra- they're rabid, but they're very passionate about wanting to win again. And coming from where you were with Steve Spurrier, let's forget the Ron Zook years. Okay. Let's from Spurrier. Then, then you went to, you know, obviously urban. Those were years that were just as recent people's recent memory. Those, those were great years. Yeah. Right. Urban winning a couple of them, Steve winning one and all the sec title games they went to, like, we want to get back there. we, our only SEC title game, you know, was the McElwain ones where we were severely outmatched. Yeah. Right. And then the one where we play Alabama again, shootout. and it was it was a shootout. Yeah. We lose it. It was just like, man, it was like always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> we want to be the bride. We have to have some consistency, right? Yeah. So and I think that's where we need to be at. I was I was looking at it yesterday. Um, Florida's had Billy Neighbor is the fourth coach that Florida's had since Mark Stoops was hired at Kentucky. <sighs> That puts it in perspective right there. But take a look at what Mark Stoops, Stoops has done had, with Kentucky. He's had a chance to build and right. build yeah. a culture and build a program. And, and I get it, The expectations in Kentucky are different. Yeah. You can go 6-6 six and six Kentucky, and they're like, hey, cool. Outback Bowl, that's awesome. Fantastic. You go to two Outback Bowls, Ron Zook goes to right. the Outback Bowls, and he's like, hey, man, you got to find, find a new job. But, Nick, think, think about it now. If Mark Stoops is going if – if he has a losing record, he's on the hot seat because of what he built. Yeah. Right, because of the consistency he built – he had good, he had really good players come through there. He had guys that probably never even considered Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Now putting them on the map, right? Yeah. Let's forget about the NIL. Just putting them on the map because of what they've done. They they're playing on New Year's Day. Yeah, I'd mm-hmm. love to do that. There's a lot of schools. There's you know uh, there's 
50, 60 schools around the company that, uh, around the country that aren't playing at all. Yeah. And Kentucky's one of those top tier. But that's that consistency he built at the University of Kentucky because that fan base said, well, we don't have anything to lose. He's a good coach. Had, he kept some pieces there, and he was able to make them successful. We need to go with that same recipe because I think we have better coaches, a better hot bit of talent. We just need to kind of build on that. Yeah. He's done the impossible. He's made Kentucky fans care about football in, like, December. Which yeah. is basketball season. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's no really basketball season. Yeah. Well, listen, Shannon, we really appreciate the time. Uh, you mentioned the recipes. I know you got them all, man. Uh, I've, I've yet to get a plate from you that I've not enjoyed. So, I appreciate it. Um, and I know you didn't get a chance to talk about it, but definitely want to give you kudos to all you do in the community, man. Thank Just you, for um, the charity, the, the, the give back that you do, and, and even – some of the stops that you do at people's uh, houses, just dropping off barbecue. Sure, man. Um, it's just it's great to see those D's like that. Yeah, so. man. I love yeah, I love the community. Is is you take care of the community, the community will take care of you. That's kind of like my motto. But as as I got around, started meeting people, I realized I just love dealing with people because there's always so many di- di- like different walks of life mm-hmm. that you just yeah. you've never met. I've I've lived on one side of the tracks for most of my life, but once I go to the other side, I'm like, man, there's a different side, right? It's just so fun to help people and to not see people struggle or just to kind of, like I said, communicate with somebody I've never met that's different walk of life for me. It's just it really is rewarding. Yeah. And one thing we all have in common is enjoying a cookout. That's so, right, brother. Especially when it's relationship ribs. All right, we're going to jump to this break. We'll come back on the other side and wrap up the Gators Online podcast. Hi, Steve Spurrier here. You know, making a reservation at my restaurant is easier than a Saturday afternoon homecoming game against Vandy. You don't have to call or email. Just go to Spurriers.com, hit the reservation button, pick a date, number of guests, and a time. It's so simple, I can do it. In fact, I just did. Maybe I'll see you tonight. What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome back into the Gators Online Podcast. Appreciate Shannon for joining us in the last segment to talk about what he's been doing with the Florida football team this offseason, specifically on the grill. I think it's uh, pretty cool that he's been able to be that involved with the team and kind of teach them that life lesson. Nick had to uh, skate out on us, so I'm going to take you guys for the rest of the show. Obviously, a lot going on with the Florida football program this week, both on the team front and the recruiting front. Uh, Getting to some of the team news first before we talk about recruiting. I think you guys saw uh, and we heard Shannon mention Gator made and, and kind of the initiatives that they've had going on. Part of that is, you know, the cooking lessons that he's been providing, but also we saw the team go abroad this week as uh, 16 athletes, in, including 10 from the football team, were able to go overseas for a service abroad trip to Greece. And if you've been following the Florida football account this week, they've been putting out some videos and photos from that trip, uh, some of the work that they've been doing, uh, certainly doing some charitable work there and giving back to uh, some of the refugees that have been displaced from the war in Ukraine, but also making sure that they take in some of the culture and some of the sites that that Athens has to offer. So really cool trip that they put together uh, on Gator May. Nick had a story about that last week. So definitely encourage you guys to kind of follow along there. We will hopefully have one of those players who took that trip come in here and join us live in studio at Spurrier's Gridiron Grill to talk about how it went. So definitely something to look forward to in the future. 
One thing that a lot of fans and media members as well have kind of been monitoring as we've gone through the offseason is where things stand with Florida's scholarship count as they welcome new uh, arrivals to campus from the 2022 class. We learned this week, and Nick Del, uh, Nick Del Torre reported at Gators Online Wednesday that there have been three players uh, that were cut uh, from the football team. Um, they were four disciplinary issues, um, but but you know Billy Napier does have that NCAA bylaw that is available for first year coaches basically to make some roster cuts um, in order to either get down to eighty five or or just remove some guys that maybe not are not going to be part of their future plan. So uh, that's where we're at right now with three of those players. Um, so the Gators right now are, are approaching. 85. I don't think that they're there yet, although I would imagine that Napier and his staff uh, already know how they're going to get down to that number. That doesn't have to happen before fall camp, though. So um, the Gators are, are kind of in the clear until we get to August. I, I don't necessarily think that the cuts may be done, um, whether that be disciplinary or whether that just be uh, in accordance with this NCAA bylaw if you know Napier has to do that to get down to the 85. I mean, there is also the option of potentially gray shirting one of the incoming freshmen. You also have the opportunity if you're going to maybe take a scholarship away from a guy that used to be a walk on, uh, maybe a, a way to provide him some, some NIL opportunities that would allow him to still pay for school in the, in the fall semester. So uh, there's some different avenues that, that they can take, but you know, for fans that have been wondering what was going to happen and clearly, based on our uh, numbers on our site Wednesday, this was something that you guys have been monitoring. Um, I think now it's starting to sort itself out. And by the time we reach uh, fall training camp, um, it, it'll be a non-story, I, I think, at that point. Certainly what's not been a, a non-story is everything on the recruiting front in the month of June. The Gators had another monster weekend last weekend with official visitors they got more coming in this weekend um as they try to take advantage of this month before the dead period kicks in uh the gators got a couple pledges two and three days um coming off of their official visit weekend getting a, a local prospect tommy kinsler out of ocala but obviously getting a flip from ucf and isaiah nixon a four-star edge and a top 200 prospect that was really big news for the gators i i think Going through these official visit weekends and, and each one that passes, fans obviously hope to get some commitments from those. Sometimes that's not always in the cards. If you're hosting some guys that are waiting to decide or have decision dates already set that they're that they're going to hold out for, um, but nonetheless, we saw the Gators able to to get some momentum this weekend by landing two pledges and getting guys to pop that that came to campus. So I I do think that monitoring where this 2023 class is at we're going to have a much better sense of you know where it stands and the potential of it by the time that we get to the end of the summer um before we get to Jaden Rashada and, and talk about his recruitment I did have some fans ask last week for our mailbag at Gators Online about that delayed decision and more specifically you know the, the sentiment that some fans have about you know, not more commitments being added yet in the 2023 class, or more specifically, some fans feeling like this staff uh, can't quote unquote close. Um, that's not necessarily a narrative that I subscribe to whatsoever. Um, you know, at the same time, I don't think we've seen enough results from them to, to make any judgments, 
But <clears throat> you look at what they were able to do in the 2022 cycle, kind of salvaging that class, bringing it all the way to finish with a top 20 ranking. They certainly got some surprises on signing day by landing Shamar James, beating Alabama and Georgia for him, landing Kamari Wilson, beating Georgia for him. I mean, those are two top 100 guys that I don't think anybody had Florida landing, you know, probably a month out from that signing day. So this staff has shown the ability to land and close when it was time, when it was time to, but at the same time, you have to have a guy that's ready to decide um, or scheduled to announce before you can close on them. Um, and, and I think that we're simply not at that point yet in the 2023 class. Now, I think this has changed since I wrote this, but when I was asked about where things stood kind of in, in the summer months, uh, only one of the top 14 players in the state of Florida, according to the on three rankings, had committed in the 2023 class. One of the top 14. Um, and then out of the top 30 players in Florida, only six have committed. I think now that number might be at seven or eight. Um, but point being, there's just there are just not a lot of guys that have come off the board in state and also around the country that Florida has targeted. And that is honestly just the nature of the beast when you're dealing with top 100 kids, top 50 kids, certainly five-star kids. Uh, they are going to take their time. They're going to wait their recruitment out. And I think especially in the NIL era for guys that feel like they're going to have an opportunity to land some deals once they sign with the school, they're probably monitoring which programs are taking care of their players in that space and providing the most opportunities. And that's got to be something that will factor into some of those decisions. Um, I think another reason why in the state of Florida specifically, you've seen so many guys that have been uncommitted for so long in this cycle. I think one of those reasons is because of all the first year coaches uh, in college football, not just in the, in the state uh, with Mario Cristobal and Billy Napier, but just around the league and even, you know, nationwide at schools like USC and Oklahoma. Um, you, you got a lot of coaching changes uh, at premier programs, Oregon. Um, so I, I think that that's maybe created more of a wait and see approach than usual with a lot of top kids. Um, I think that's going to start to shake itself out. However, once some of these bigger fish come off the board, specifically at the quarterback position, we saw Arch Manning make his commitment on Thursday to Texas. And this Sunday top one, or excuse me, top 50 quarterback Jalen, uh, Jaden Rashada is going to announce his decision on his grandmother's birthday was initially scheduled to announce on June 18th. His father's birthday decided to delay that decision, not just to take more time as he tweeted, but also to take one final official visit. He did make it to Coral Gables this week for a midweek trip. I think the timing of that was, um, you know, it, it definitely better than having him visit Miami on a weekend because he would have been wrapping up his trip on the day that he was scheduled to announce. And that would not have been a good timing, I think, for him or certainly for the Gators. Um, obviously, this is a highly contested recruitment. I think probably one of the most followed recruitments that we've seen uh, in Florida in, in some time, uh, which is crazy because he's only been a a, a really primary target for this staff for about two months, uh, two to three months. So it's, you know, in, in short order, he is kind of 
garnered the interest and attention of Gator Nation. I think anybody that follows recruiting in this fan base is going to be on pins and needles waiting on his decision Sunday. Um, I, I still feel good about where Florida stands. Uh, I know that anytime Miami gets involved because of uh, you know how aggressive they've been with NIL, th- there's some concern there. I don't think that if Florida misses out on Jaden Rashad, it's going to be due to NIL. They, they've taken care of their players. They've taken care of Anthony Richardson. Um, I don't think that's going to be an issue. It's a matter of Jaden Rashad, according to his deciding factors, finding what's his best playing situation, find the school that makes him most comfortable and where he feels like he can be successful. Now, it's not just potentially an NIL deal that could draw him to Miami. He also has a long-standing relationship with their new coach, Mario Cristobal, who recruited him at Oregon uh, all the way back dating to September 2021. So while he's gotten to know a lot of new coaches like Mar- like Billy Napier, like Brian Kelly, um, you know, like some of the other coaches that have just recently offered him, such as uh, Jimbo Fisher, Mario Cristobal is the one coach that he's known for a long time in his top five in addition to Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. So um, there is some history there. I think also if you're looking at, as he said, where he's going to be most comfortable, just being honest, you know, Coral Gables is a lot more like Pittsburgh, California than Gainesville or, or College Station. Um, so it, that's something I think to take into account. But I will say that that he's already been to Miami once, Jaden Rashada, and you know when he went there, the Hurricanes did not start trending for him and become this hot team in his recruitment in the way that Florida did. I mean, Florida, ever since he took that unofficial uh, visit in late May, returned for the second time in as many weeks for his official, um, they have been the team to beat, according to the on three recruiting prediction machine, according to other kind of analysts around the country. Florida has been viewed as the team to beat until he decided to delay this decision and take this trip to Miami. So that has certainly thrown a wrench into his recruitment. Um, I don't necessarily feel confident uh, about uh, you know just coming out and saying, oh, I think he's going to go to Florida. But I do think that um, they've put themselves in a position probably better than anyone um, to land his pledge. I, I do think it will be Florida or Miami that, that land him. I know Texas A&M, a lot of folks st- still feel like they could potentially land his pledge, but I think that this is going to come down to Florida or Miami. Uh, Chad Simmons, the director of recruiting at On3, had initially reported a couple weeks ago that Jaden r- prefers to play in the, in the Sunshine State. So um, I think it's going to come down to those two schools. I think if he really is looking at the playing situation, it's hard to argue that Florida doesn't uh, offer him probably the best path to playing time. Um, so does he feel comfortable enough in you know, the relationship that he's kind of built in, in short time with this staff and familiarizing himself with Florida? We're going to find out on Sunday. Um, there's not been a time, I think, set for this decision. So um, that's something to, to follow along. Make sure you guys stay locked to Corey Bender at Gators Online. He will be on top of this story, on top of this announcement. And for all the Florida fans out there that have been following this feverishly, um, if the Gators land him on Sunday, this is going to be huge. Um, this is potentially going to change the trajectory of this class. I think that maybe will help the Gators land some targets that maybe they would not land without somebody like Rashada on board. Um, and I think obviously to change maybe the perception of where momentum is at with this class, although they literally just landed two pledges. Um, however, 
if they don't land Jaden Rashada, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, they, they've been recruiting this guy for a mere two months. Um, it's not like he's been this, this guy that they've had their eye on for over a year and they, they put all their chips into this basket. Um, he is, I'm not trying to downplay the significance of his recruitment, but if he doesn't come, there are other ways that you can bring more quarterbacks in and, and add them to your roster, whether that's deciding to go out and try and flip, flip someone from another class, whether you wait until the end of the season and go the transfer portal route again and see what quarterbacks have kind of entered after uh, after the 2022 season. So um, the one thing that I found in researching some of the other bump classes uh, that, that Florida's had with their recent coaches, and by bump class, that is the recruiting class after their transition class where a coach has his first full recruiting cycle to recruit. Um, that's their bump class. Um, and for Florida, you're you're in a situation now where Billy Napier hasn't even coached a game yet as he's trying to build this. And I wanted to look at where is Florida's class right now? How does it compare to where other bump classes were at before the month of July? Um, basically, before those coaches had even coached a game. And right now, the Gators stand at eight commits. Looking back at the history of Dan Mullen, of Jim McElwain, of Will Muschamp, and even Urban Meyer, um, right now the Gators are kind of in the same ballpark. They have eight commits currently heading into Jaden Rashada's decision and heading into the decision from Trayon Webb. So maybe they could be at 10, 9, who knows, but that's where they're at right now. At the end of June, before July, Dan Mullen and Jim McElwain were both at eight commits. Dan Mullen only actually had six guys that had committed to them, two pledged to the previous staff. Will Muschamp, before July in his bump class, had the most commits. He had 10. And Urban Meyer, in his bump class, which was the 2006 cycle, which ended up being the best class in the country, before July, it only had five members in it. So it's not necessarily time to hit the panic button yet. And specifically for the quarterback position of all those bump classes that I just mentioned, there was only one coach that had a quarterback committed in his bump class before July. Only one. And that coach, Dan Mullen, had that signal caller committed to him at his previous stop in Mississippi State with Jalen Jones. So um, it's not uncommon for a coach, a first-year coach, to come in and not be able to lock up a quarterback before July. Um, that's obviously when you would like to have a quarterback committed in the summer so that he can recruit for your fall. Um, but it's not a be all end all for a first year coach. So that's something to keep in mind heading into this decision Sunday, but nonetheless, it is a big one for the Gators. We will have you guys with coverage all throughout the weekend and leading up to and after Jaden Rashada's announcement, as well as wrapping up how the official visits go in Gainesville. So make sure you guys stay tuned to Gators Online. Appreciate Shannon for joining us this week to talk about what he's been up to with the football team. And at any time I can talk food with him, it's always a good time. We will see you guys next week. For Nick Del Torre, I'm Zach Albaverde. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. 
Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. 